When it comes to your finances, go for the credit card that's always there for you. With 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, that means no more waiting for, quote, normal business hours just to get a hold of someone. We're talking real service from real people whenever you need it. Get the customer service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. If you've ever been in the market for a new home, you know home shopping can be a lot. There's so much you don't know and so much you need to know. What are the neighborhoods like? What are the schools like? Who is the agent who knows the listing or neighborhood best? And why can't all this information just be in one place? Well, now it is on homes.com. They've got everything you need to know about the listing itself. But even better, they've got comprehensive neighborhood guides and detailed reports about local schools. And their agent directory helps you see the agent's current listings and sales history. Homes.com collaboration tools make it easier than ever to share all this information with your family. It's a whole cul-de-sac of home shopping information, all at your fingertips. Homes.com. We've done your homework. Welcome to the Jill on Money Show. It is Monday, January 31st, and we are here to take the mystery out of your financial life, but we're also here to kind of walk you along the, the pathway that maybe you have created for yourself, your financial pathway. But you know, every so often there's a, you get tripped up. Mark, I uh, was walking the dogs this morning. I tripped on a big root that was up in the Riverside Park and uh, I almost completely wiped out, but I avoided it. I avoided it. And another, you know, it's sort of like that embarrassing thing where someone sees you trip. And then this idiot literally says to me, he's like, well, that was a close one. It was not wrong. It was not what I was, it was not appreciated in that moment. I'm like, yeah, it was. Yeah. The dogs were a little bit flummoxed by why mommy looked like she was about to, you know, really take a huge dive. And mostly I think these days, like, please don't let me trip and fall and like break my ankle. I just can't afford to do that right now. So I, you know what? I really wasn't paying attention. I was sort of looking around. I was looking at other dogs and, you know, and sometimes you're on your financial path. You're looking around. You're not paying attention to what's right in front of you. And maybe there are some decisions that you need help with. We would love to help you out. Mark and I, who are both certified financial planners, we would like to help you. The way we do that is we encourage you to go to our website, jillonmoney.com and click the contact button. And when you do that, we ask whether you'd be willing to come on the program with us. And if you are, Mark does all the work. And that is what Mike from Michigan did. Hello, Mike. Welcome to the program. How are you on this chilly January, February timeframe? What's going on in Michigan? Wind chill of about five below. Otherwise, nice sunny day, taking up some uh, Maybe some uh, fishing through the ice later today. Really? Yeah. You got to dress appropriately for that, right? Oh, yeah. Body glove underneath the the regular uh, stuff. And uh, then, of course, the uh, adult beverage of your choice while you're fishing. Doesn't it make you colder to drink? I've always heard that. Yeah, but pretty soon you don't care. That's an excellent point. I never really considered that. You're absolutely right. All right, Mike, what brings you to our airwaves today? What can we do for you? 
Yeah, a couple years ago, we moved from Atlanta, Georgia, up to Michigan to take care of my wife's dad, who was in his mid-90s. And we were, were a live-in with him. And the other members of the family were not that financially um, experienced. And so we had about the same size portfolio as her dad. Mm-hmm. And they asked us to give us some opinions and look in on the account. And what we found kind of astounded us. So I'm seeking a second opinion, what we found. Okay. Tell us a little bit about uh, the the client at hand, meaning your father-in-law. So right now, 95 years old, retired FBI guy, been retired for a number of years, has a portfolio about 1.2 million. We found when we first took a look at the portfolio that his financial advisor had him in about 5% cash, 15% bonds, some of which were junk, and 80% in stock. And then it gets even worse. Mm. He had him in 25 mutual funds, spread over two portfolios, and most of them were you know, A-class or C-shares because uh, we went to the FINRA website and took a look at these things. And so besides a high quarterly program fee of around two and a half percent, she was also getting, you know, paid from these funds as well. But it was the it was the allocation that that bothered us. Tell me about your father-in-law's condition. Is he he's 95 years old? Is he still kind of with it? Is he kind of like maybe not as cognitively on his game as he used to be? Where is he? Yeah. uh, Over the past couple of years, he has slipped. Uh, fairly well in t- into cognitive decline with dementia. And so for a guy that uh, would call his financial planner maybe weekly, um, he does not make any calls now. And, and for a guy who would open up uh, any mail from his financial planner the instant it hit the mailbox, he, he really doesn't do that. So his his son, my wife's brother, is the power of attorney and in charge of his estate. So he is not, uh, to answer your question, he is not really making any decisions right now as far as his investments. Is it possible, because I just want to point this out, this is a complete possibility that your father-in-law is a badass and that, you know, years ago he said to the investment person, jam on that risk. He probably has a pension, right? He's a, he's an, a federal employee, so he has a pension, right? Yeah, he has a, a pension of about 5500 a month. And- it covers, it used to cover most all of the expenses. What has happened is we have, after about a year and a half, we have moved down a uh, state in Michigan and the family has hired a caregiver. It's covering most of the expenses. And to your point, when we asked the financial planner, what's the deal with the allocation? She said, well, this is what he wanted. I said to her, when was that? She goes, 10 years ago. So our point was, we asked her, how in the world could you be acting as a fiduciary because you haven't asked him that in 10 years? So that's a problem. Is she a certified financial planner? Well, she plays one in real life. Ha! But does she have that designation? Yes. She does. Okay. A couple of things to consider. Now your brother-in-law has power of attorney, so we can make proactive changes, correct? Yes. And we have done some things, but not nearly enough. Do we pay this financial advisor, do we pay her via, um, you mentioned 
commissionable mutual funds. Is there any fee that is addressed beyond those commissions? Yeah, she's uh, clocking in at just over 2%. Woo! The, the part that just frosts you, you know, she gets the 2%, she gets whatever she gets from the, the funds. And then when we've tried to make adjustments in the portfolio, she wants to charge us $60 a trade. Of course she does. Oh, yeah. this is killing me. Okay. So first thing, do you know, I mean, generally speaking, we've got 25 different mutual funds. Are they all in the similar fund family? In other words, is she using all of American funds? Is she using all of, you know, some label brand mutual funds that you would recognize? Um, I would say about half of them are American funds. The others are pretty well spread over a lot of different fund names. The mm-hmm. one thing that we did notice was is that in this particular brokerage or company, um, they have some of their own proprietary mutual funds, which are very expensive. And our thought was is that she had six or seven of them, and you know we couldn't figure out why she would use those from a fee standpoint. But then a, a friend of a friend pointed out that maybe, you know, this company is famous for having sales contests. Tell me about who is going to manage these funds in the future. Do you and your brother-in-law and your wife, like, do you guys want to do this or do you want to have someone else do it? No, what, what we have suggested is to move to a more friendly investment company like Schwab or Fidelity, right? Mm-hmm lower fees, yep, and probably will get better service. Yeah, he, he is self-proclaimed as not a, a uh, financial whiz. The, the problem here is, is that you know, he didn't want to move the money when his dad was more cognitively involved because he thought it would upset him. But now that you know, his dad is not really that much with it from a, a dementia standpoint, there's really no no reason in our mind not to move the money except for one little thing. Yeah. He has his money with her too. Well, that's too bad. Yeah. He's going to have to deal with that. Because, I mean, he is he a weenie? Is he like, I mean, because obviously, why would I want to work with that person who screwed my father-in-law? I mean, my father. No, we went through a very simple explanation with him. We said, look, take a million dollars times 1%, take a million dollars times 2%. The difference is how much you're, is you're getting taken here. You said he's got $1.2 million. Right. He needs to be able to access some of that money. What do you think we need to pull from the portfolio at this point for the caregiver? Like we need to have some money that's in cash immediately. So that's number one, right? Yep. So how much do we need in cash to help with the, with the expenses of maintaining your father-in-law's lifestyle and keeping him well cared for? Yeah, the track record is he's uh, been pulling out about $10,000 every three or four months. His pension handles most of it, mm-hmm. but you know, then there's taxes and, and other things that have to be taken care of. So that's the track record right now. All right. So let's say he needs 50 grand a year right now. And let's even say 60 because you know what? I don't know. I sort of feel like care will only become more expensive. Thank God that he has saved all this money and he can finance all of his needs. I mean, what a what an amazing thing, really, to consider that. So that's number one. So what I would suggest is that right now you said there's there's not a lot of cash in there. So I would almost immediately have a couple hundred grand in cash right now 
because I would I think that you want to have at least two years in cash. That's one twenty, and then you probably want to have a little extra just cause because you know he may need more care. Something may happen, and he might need that. Obviously, he no longer needs to be eighty percent in stocks, and even if he was like a killer you know, kind of investor. And, you know, frankly, it hasn't hurt him in the last few years and certainly not in the last decade to be a player and he's got more money, but that has to be taken care of. I think the the big issue is beyond this $1.2 million, is there any other asset? Did he own a home that he, that needs to be sold? What else is happening? Yeah, he has a, a life insurance policy. It's one of those policies from hell. It's an annuity, annuity that is wrapped with four mutual funds, right? It, 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 we're too far into it, I think, to change it because the, the kids will benefit from that. He does own free and clear a beautiful lake house mm-hmm. that he lives in now and that the caregiver lives downstairs. And uh, I'm sure when whenever whoever sells it, it's going to do relatively well. You know, one thing that we did do uh, just to be on the safe side, we, we took a look at his pension, which was about 5500 a month, and then we shopped the general area for dementia care facilities. And we, we set up a bond ETF that would basically give him another 3000 a month for the next three years if he needed it. Oh, well, that's great. Fantastic. couple of things. Of course, you have to leave this person. You may or may not be able to get, avoid the stupid $60 fee, but you need to transfer this money out. Like, lock, stock, and barrel. And um, the thing is that if there are proprietary funds in this account, they will be sold upon exit from the firm because no other place is going to hold those funds. So immediately, you're going to probably have the number of funds like cut in half. All right. Then what I think needs to happen is, well, that that would be okay with me because that's probably going to be a bunch of cash is going to be available right there. And maybe what you want to do is think of a couple of things. One, if we're going to do this ourselves, what do we want this to look like? What's the portfolio really look like? Um, you got the money. You have an ETF. That's part of the bond position that you have right now, right? Your bonds, you said, were 15%? Right. Okay. This account, is it a retirement account or is it non-retirement? It's retirement. Okay, great. Because there's no capital gains to worry about. Right. So perfect. So what I would say is this. Of the $1.2 million, he should be you know, maybe he could be 50% in stocks, 40% would be fine. I almost would just like kind of see where the, where things settle. I would have at least half of the money in cash and bonds. The American funds, you see, since you've already paid for those funds, I don't want you to get out of them because they're actually really decent investments once you have swallowed the fee. And he has, right? right. Yeah. So those, you, wherever you move this account, You've got to make sure they'll accept those American funds because I don't want you to get out of them because you've already paid the freight to get in. Mark, do you think that Schwab and Fidelity, I'm pretty sure that they will allow American funds on their platforms. And then when you get there, I guess the other question is, do you want there to be an advisor associated with the account? Now, obviously, if it's a, a Schwab or you know, you could use their intelligent portfolio service, you could certainly use um, Fidelity has that kind of thing. You could check out Vanguard, which has the personal service advisor. You can get advice for 03 0.4% a year, and that's a heck of a lot better than 2%. Yeah, you know, we've we, we're with Schwab ourselves, but we're not trying to impose that on the family. But we just we asked both Schwab and Fidelity, could we transfer in kind most of these funds? And you're right, 
almost all of the other ones they will take. That's great. So I think I would make that transfer. Your brother-in-law is going to have to find his spine. And he has to remember that as the power of attorney, he has got to execute this. And he has to do this because it's the right thing for his father. And, you know, if he decides to stay with this woman, that's his problem. I can't be bothered by his, you know, nonsense and his emotional attachment to someone who's screwed my father. But that's okay. Whatever. Let's leave that for him and his shrink. For you guys, you really have to put the pressure on. And by the way, I would be happy to talk to your brother-in-law. We should bring him on and be like, what's up, dude? Why are you being such a wimp? And the easiest way to get around this so you don't, maybe he's super conflict avoidant, which is possible. Here's how you do it. You guys all draft a letter and you draft the letter and you say, dear Jen- Jenny, um, you don't say this because you want to say it like, thanks for nothing. Bye. Um, you say, thank you so much for your years of service to our father. Uh, we, we very much appreciate it in acting as the durable power of attorney. Yeah, I'm sure she has a copy on file. Um, we have decided to move our relationship elsewhere. Transfer forms have already been submitted. Thank you so much for your assistance. Goodbye. That's it. And and you can also say, please do not contact us about this matter. Our decision is made. Because that way you don't get her calling your brother-in-law being like, why are you leaving? You know, and if he wants to stay with her, he's got to be firm and say, I can't talk to you about my father anymore. Like, that's the deal. And that's is a family decision. Thank you so much. And that's that. But you got to get out of this thing. You got to get out of this relationship. You know, all that being said, yes to the move, yes to the putting some money in cash and bonds. And look, is it okay to have some some equity exposure? Probably. But if you want, you can even, you could stay in the American funds family, right? So let's just say you had a big, large growth American funds position. And you say, you know what? We don't really want to be 50-50. We really think what's better is to be like 60% safe stuff and 40% equity. You can move 10% of the American funds into the American fund fixed income fund. But, you know, you should stay in that environment again because the price, you've paid the price already. And one other question that we wanted to ask you before we go. Mm-hmm. She, for some reason, and I think it was just trying to make him, make uh, her father feel good, was letting him buy, you know, individual stocks. Of course. When some of those turned into losers, we sold them. And she asked why. And I said, I can't think of a reason why a guy in the mid-90s should be buying individual stocks. So, you know, we've tried to focus it away from most mutual funds and more into ETF and index funds. Yeah, that's fine. I totally agree. I mean, look, to give her credit, maybe your father-in-law was a super duper risk taker. Okay. I'm willing to consider that. But I really think that she has done a disservice to the family I mean, what a dingbat, really, to consider this, right? Because you say, you know, she has a good relationship that she has curated. All she had to do was really do the right thing. You know, I think that in a lot of cases, um, I always say, listen, there's she's probably not trying to screw him, but she maybe she got a little lazy. And, you know, all that being said, she should have done a better job. And, and it's a bummer she didn't. Well, let me ask you one last question. Sure. Is there any way, and and I've tried to be totally straight up and honest, good, bad, ugly. Is there any way that she is acting as a fiduciary? Mm. Well, 
Mark, help me out with this. Um, well, first of all, she could have convinced herself that she's that the funds have already been sold to him and there's a fee to get out. Where she seems to have stumbled in terms of fiduciary versus not is really more in the the idea of the planning that she didn't come back around and say, gosh, there's a lot of risk here and I need to check back in or gosh, I notice on my calls, there's actually some rules now about like when advisors think that there is a problem with their client who is in cognitive decline, that they do contact a family member. So, I mean, I don't know. I mean, I, it doesn't seem like it to me. I'm sure that there's a, some world where she's convinced herself otherwise, but it doesn't feel like this was in your father-in-law's best interest. So it's hard for me to say she has. And I, and I say that with a heavy heart because I want all CFPs to do the right thing. Mark, what do you think? Uh, if this scenario was a question on the CFP exam and the question was, is this person acting as a fiduciary? The answer would be no. I know. You know, I just think it's really hard to make the case that she has acted in your father-in-law's best interest. I really do. You know, the one thing that I will tell you is that, you know, the last time that we talked to her, you know, I, I said to her, I understand that Doug and, and son stopped by to see you. She goes, yeah. And I said, what did you notice about talking with him? Because he, he doesn't really talk now. And she didn't really have a good answer. Listen, I think that there are a lot of people who are in this position where they have to like, oh, gosh, you know, you you really have to like come to terms with this. And usually it's the other way around. What's funny is usually it's the advisor saying to the family, like, I'm sensing this is not so hot. And um, in this case, what's really weird is that, you know, usually you have to convince the family like, oh, I sense something bad. And the family's like, no, he's fine. And now you guys are the ones who are raising the alarm bells. So, you know, listen, I think that you kind of know which way you want to go with this. And, you know, frankly, if there is some issue around your brother-in-law and you really want to talk it through, I mean, we don't have to do this on the air. I'm happy to do this offline just to walk him through why, why this outcome and where it is today is not the right strategy for his father right now. You know, I really am because I feel like sometimes having you having this conversation can sometimes be loaded and I'm sure your wife feels weird about it. But I think that if if you need like an unbiased third party who has nothing to gain from this just to weigh in, I'm happy to do that. Sure. Okay. I'll pass it along. All right. Listen, what a story. I'm so sorry. I'm an only child. And so this is a larger family. And so it's interesting watching how things play out. Interesting is not exactly the word you're probably thinking about, but yeah, right. I know. I know that feeling. I come from a small family, and so my sister and I make all decisions. And I, I I'm in a, a big Italian family where there's a little more consensus building. Not that into that. No. <laughs> it's like the only good thing, man, about being from a small family or being an only child is you don't have to get everyone to weigh in and be, give their opinions. That's the best part. Exactly right. All right. Well, listen, thank you so much. Um, and then let me know if there's anything else that we can do for you. And thank you for sharing your story because I think it's really instructive for everyone listening. So thanks to Mike from Michigan, who's going ice fishing. And now I realize why you really need a, a bourbon with you because this is a rough situation. Um, if you have a question about a family member you're worried about, we'd love to help you out. And again, these are very tough emotional conversations. So really, we're, we could be your, your unbiased little panel, me and Mark. Just go to JillOnMoney.com, click the contact button. While you're on the website, sign up for the free weekly newsletter. It's free every single week, every Friday, as a matter of fact. 
So go check that out. And uh, and if you have anything that is going on financially, you know where we are. We're here to help you lift someone up today. Grit, growth, grace. Thank you for listening. And we'll talk to you tomorrow. Tomorrow.